Uh, how's it going today, guys? Once again, I'm back here live in the studio, another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I have joining me today a very special guest on uh, Thursday, September 27th. My guest is Cohen Hughes of the Daily Degenerate Podcast. Cohen, say what's up to the people. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, how's it going? Um, I had a good week of betting last week, looking to rebound on the same kind of momentum this week. Um, if you guys don't know me, my name's Cohen. I'm from the Daily Degenerate Podcast, where we do betting, comedy, and other degenerate happenings. Oh, yeah, guys. Cohen's been on before. He did the uh, NBA Awards with me, as we call them, the TP Awards. First ever for the NBA. We'll have him come for MLB and NFL as well. Obviously, NBA again. But, Cohen, let's get down to it, man. We got a big week this week. Lots of good college football and NFL matchups. I'll start things off here with NFL. We got some games going on right now. But let's start here. What team do you think is the most approved going into this week? College or pro? Uh, pro football. Pro, um, the Steelers, even though they did prove themselves on Monday night, um, they're still 1-1-1, one, one and one, which is not where they want to be, even missing Le'Veon Bell. I think they have a lot to prove. Um, the Falcons, of course, which that's kind of a homer answer. Um, I think the Rams have a little bit to prove in this game that we're watching right now because um, we're going to see if they can actually beat up good opponent instead of a beat-up 49er team and whoever else they played week one. Yeah, they played at Oakland week one. But, yeah, I definitely think the Rams – see, I think the Rams have proven to me that they're the best team in the NFL. That's who I picked before. I mean, I picked the Falcons, obviously, to win the Super Bowl. But I said if they didn't win, definitely the Rams. But, actually, my team with the most proof is the Texans. And I picked them to go to the Super Bowl this year. I loved what I saw at Sean Watson last year. Yeah, 0-3. They got their backs against the wall this week. I think the key, though, to them is they can't start slow. They've been outscored 55 to uh, 19 in the first quarter this season. So I mean, if you're the if you're the if you're the Texans, you got to get out to a quick start here. You got to get firing. You got to get Deshaun Watson going. Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, Lamar Miller. I mean, they have the weapons on offense. I just think they can't mess around like they have been these first couple weeks in the first half. They got to get after it quick against the Colts because I mean, the Colts might not have the most talented roster in the league, but the Colts have been really good this season against the they spread. Have. They played a lot of teams close. So I mean, you can't sleep on the Colts at all. And this is a huge game, divisional rivalry. They're on the road. I mean, I feel like this is the season for the Texans. Um, and what sucks is that um, I really do love Bill O'Brien. Um, I think he's a with, – with talent, I think he's a top seven coach in the NFL. I would probably rate him higher, but I'm being realistic. Um, they definitely do have a lot to prove. And um, speaking of their first game, getting outscored in the first quarter, the Patriots had a good start against the Texans. That's pretty much why the Patriots won that game. Um, yeah. They they actually have a lot to prove this weekend too. Um, what are they one and two? Yeah, they're one and two. But my thing with the Patriots is that they just plugged Josh Gordon in. I don't know how to do this week. I think it's still a toss up. But they haven't had Edelman. So I mean, Brady's been down two big time offensive pieces. They just put Rex Burkhead on the IR. But I mean, I think they have a stable of backs, so they'll be fine there. But if I'm the Patriots, <laughs> even if they were to lose this week, which I don't think they'll lose to the Dolphins, then. You know, I'm still I still stand kind of where I do with the Patriots just because they don't have Edelman in there yet, and I think their offense doesn't have all their weapons just yet. Um, I am excited to see how they plug in Josh Gordon. Um, the Dolphins are three and zero. I am thinking about maybe placing some action on that game, if you know what I'm saying. 
Yeah, no, I actually am all over the action in this game. Dolphins are at plus six and a half. I love the Dolphins at plus six and a half. I still think the Patriots offense struggles without their pieces in there. I think it's one more week. I think even though they're on the road, the Dolphins have been hot. Ryan Tannehill, I saw a stat in the last 11 games he's played in. He's been a top five quarterback in the NFL. So, I mean, Tannehill's only getting better. I think the Dolphins at plus seven and a half is or plus seven is kind of a steal or six and a half, whatever you got them on your book. Um. I'll say the Dolphins will probably win this game. Um, to be honest with you, Ooh, I'll probably I like take the Patriots. Just, uh-huh. um, just because Josh Gordon's first week, I can see one of those wacky two-touchdown performances mm-hmm. from a, a known problem. Um, oh, I think yeah. th- these last two weeks of practice has, have probably done good for him. They're probably teaching him the Patriot way. Um, I feel like the Patriots will probably lose in a 27-24, 30-33 type game. Jeez, yeah, I like that. A lot of scoring in this game. I'm not a big believer in the New England defense. I think it's all offense for them at this point. But, I mean, I think I just think Dolphins cover. I don't know what the score will be. I like the Patriots still to win this matchup, but definitely think the Dolphins cover. Um, I have the Colts-Texans down here as one of our matchups. So we got Texans at or at uh, plus one and a half, obviously minus one and a half on the Colts. They're on the road in this matchup. Who do you like to win this matchup? Uh, you can give me that one. I'll take the Texans in that one. Oh, and three, Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien won't stand for it any longer. The Colts um, are a good team in terms of kind of like how Georgia Tech's a good college team. They yeah. can play with just about anybody in terms of any given day. You know, like their offense makes it hard to keep up and stuff. But whenever they do – push comes to shove you can tell they're not a good team i would like uh the texans one and a half is is easy money yeah no i agree with you i'm i'm all over the texans in this matchup as well it's do or die backs against the wall i think deshaun watson's an absolute baller and i think he kind of comes out and says yo no sophomore slump this year i'm coming out balling out i agree with you on that one completely honestly texans money line dude what do you what's 1.5 points in this matchup um next are honestly probably to me this is the biggest rivalry in the nfl ravens at steelers this game opened at minus six and a half all right, I mean, at minus six for the Steelers. Now it's down at minus three. I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this game? Um, this is the time of the year that we can believe in Joe Flacco before about week seven or eight happens. Um, I like Baltimore's roster. I really do. they got a few good tight ends. They've upgraded their receiving core by almost double this offseason. Uh, Flacco's playing better than average. Um Give me the Ravens. Yeah, I love the Ravens when this game opened at plus at uh, plus six and a half for them or plus six. But honestly, this is the way I look at this game. So Steelers are the number one team in penalties. I really can't take that into like I, – I feel like it, the team's penalty stats don't mean as much right now because players are still trying to adjust to these yeah, new yeah. rules. And, 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 and the new I, rules have been called like shit, really. So. Oh, yeah. Like, it's been so inconsistent on plays. Like, there was a couple plays in that Monday night game when I was like, I mean, I would probably call that rough in the pasture based on what they've been doing. Then and, and they, they Yeah, and then they call Big Ben getting tapped on top of the helmet rough in the pasture. Like, there's just no consistency. Like, at least give – I don't mind bad calls as long as you give me consistency. Yeah. That way the players in the third quarter can start adjusting to how the game's going to be called and can play the game based off not what's, what the rule is but how it's being called that day. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you completely on that. And on top of all this in this matchup, I think the Ravens are one of the most slept on teams in the NFL. I really don't think we'll see Lamar Jackson besides in blowouts this season. I could see the Ravens winning this division and making the playoffs. They're going into Pittsburgh. It's a hostile environment. This is a big time matchup. Pittsburgh also, I I think, has surrendered like the 
top three most yards to like opposing receivers and tight ends. Yeah, so they have. The defense is kind of suspect, which is weird under Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin's mm-hmm. another great coach in the NFL. Um, I just don't know if the Steelers can pull this one out. The Ravens have looked pretty good, to be quite honest with you. No, I agree with you completely. The Ravens have looked really good, but on top of all that, I just don't think the Steelers' defense, like, yeah, they're not great, but, I mean, if they can get above-average performance from them and cut and just cut down on those penalties a tiny, tiny bit, I think the offense is good enough to where that they can pick up the slack. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster has been absolutely going off. He's been taking advantage of these um, double teams or whatever extra um, attention the defense has been playing Antonio Brown. So I really look for Juju to take advantage of this and the Steelers to kind of – I don't know. I think their offense will open it up on them a little bit. I think it's going to be a really tight game at minus three. That's tough. If I were y'all, I'd buy half point and ride Pittsburgh in this game. I feel like Pittsburgh at home is going to get it done. It's a huge rivalry game. It's a big game for Pittsburgh because, I mean, they really don't want to fall to one, one, and two, which is just a, or I guess, or is it one, two, and one? I forget where the tie is. I think it's one, two, and one. Yeah, I think it's one. In soccer, the tie is in the middle, but in football, the tie's at the end. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think it's a really tight game. I'm probably not going to put any action on this game personally, but I look for Pittsburgh to to pull this win out at home in a, in a tight one. Um, I'll put it to you this way. Either play the over because you think the Steelers are going to win because we don't think the Ravens can put up that many points or take the Ravens at whatever the measly spread is. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that take right there. Our last uh, NFL matchup we'll discuss right here is Cincinnati at Atlanta. We got lots of players injured on both sides. They haven't um, – I think A.J. Green, they're saying, is probably going to play. But, I mean, you got Joe Mixon out for the Ravens. You got, I mean, for the Bengals. You got a couple other players out. Who do you like in this matchup? Um, I like my Falcons, of course. Um, and this will be a good cachet of what I'm going to talk about next. I really think that – Andy Dalton has been playing pretty well this year. I don't think it'll last because it never does. Um, I think him and A.J. Green will probably connect for a touchdown. I think Joe Mixon runs for one touchdown. Um, I'm giving the the Bengals right here 17 points, and that's the floor. Um, If they can get up to 28, they'll probably win this game. Other than that, I like the Falcons in a 20 to 30 matchup, you know. Interesting. See – Falcons are at minus four. This game opened at minus six, so lots of money coming in at Cincinnati right off the bat. Uh, just looking at this matchup, I really think Atlanta's not going to be able to get a whole lot of stops on defense. But then again, at the same time, I'm hoping Andy Dalton can give us an interception or two because we know how the red rifle can be. He'll He's give a gunslinger. He'll give you at least one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, you know, Andy Dalton's a gunslinger. He's either going to go out there and throw the ball a ton and he's going to throw all over you, or he's going to go out there and throw some interceptions. I mean, obviously there's the in-between, but I look for him. I just hope Atlanta can honestly create some turnovers in this game. I'm staying away from this one. I don't really like betting on my teams because I just I, just, I feel like it takes the fun out of being a fan. But I'm honestly t- lean more towards Atlanta plus four. I think that – I mean minus four. I think that we're going to be able to cover this one at home. I just feel like that this offense and the way Matt Ryan has them rolling right now is unstoppable. I mean, do you, do you not agree with me that Matt Ryan deserves a lot more credit for what he's done so far this season? Um, yes, I do. I think it's the fact that Matt Ryan has done this for so long. People still think that Matt Ryan's only been in the league for four years, <clears throat> whenever he yeah. went on 11. Um. I think that it's incredible how Matt Ryan has done this with four different offensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. Um, two of those were for two or less years. Um, Matt Ryan's I mean, got him rolling. Sarkeesian's got him rolling. I'd like anyone who said a goddamn bad word about Sarkeesian to 
mail me a written apology. <laughs> I'm not a Sark apologist. Like I'm, yeah, he had his struggles last year, but this year I knew it would be better with the addition of Ridley getting. Oh, right Ridley back, looks so back. good. Even Coleman handled the load in the uh, Carolina game mm-hmm. by himself with 105 yards on the ground. Um, the play calling you can tell has been a little bit more open this year, and even. I guess with the exception of that um, Philadelphia game, bad conditions, first game of the year on Thursday night, it's wonky, first NFL game of the year. Like, if Dan Quinn doesn't coach us out of that game, we probably win it. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. I also thought there was a miscommunication on that pick Matt Ryan threw down the goal line, but (laughs) Matt Ryan is absolutely balled out this season. People don't give him the credit that he deserves. They all said, oh, y'all need to get rid of Sark. Sark's done a great job, like you said, with this team this year, I think Sark has done a great job of turning us around. I think the Falcons have honestly surprised some people with how good our offense has been. I mean, it looks like we have MVP Matt Ryan back. Matt, there's a reason why he's the second highest paid player in the NFL. Like, there's a reason why we paid him that much money. We didn't pay him that much money for no reason. I think he's gone out and proved it. I'm actually going to this game, so I'm extremely excited for it. It's going to be a crazy matchup. Um, Before I go over two more, two or three more of these NFL matchups, now that we're talking about Atlanta, um, I had a Facebook post the other day because I, I've been to the last two Falcons games, Pan, uh, Panthers here and then Saints. You going here. on Sunday? Nah, probably not. Uh, Falcons have been taking my money too much. <laughs> um, this is maybe a little extreme for you. I don't know how you feel. Um, I'm not necessarily a Dan Quinn guy. I wouldn't be mad if we fired Dan Quinn right now. And let me preface that with saying that I know that uh, firing a head coach either midseason or in the end of the season causes a little bit of dysfunction. Um, I just think Dan Quinn's in way over his head. It's honestly extremely frustrating to watch a game on TV or in person that Dan Quinn coaches, even when we win, because he does almost everything that he can to keep the other team in it, whether it's conservative defense at the end of the game, whether it's weird timeouts in the middle of the quarter, whether it's a two-minute drill that he can't call, it's I'm getting tired of this. If we had a coach like Mike Tomlin, Bill O'Brien, Belichick is the cliche, Sean McVay, any of these top eight head coaches that I've probably named before in the NFL, we would be not just 3-0 and right now, but we would have already had three Super Bowls. It is just extremely frustrating to sit here and watch Dan Quinn piss away All right, so getting back into it, um, it's extremely frustrating for not only a devoted fan like myself, but a day one fan and someone who is really good for the brand of the Falcons who sticks up for them through thick and thin. I think it's really just frustrating to sit here and watch Dan Quinn close this window with all his dumb cliches of brotherhood and embrace the suck and all this other bullshit that... Us as fans, yeah, we, we like to hear that. But imagine how old that message would get if you were an NFL player. Like, you're a grown-ass man, dog. Like, I don't I don't want to hear brotherhood every five words from my head coach. He's supposed to be a tough guy. supposed to be a defensive guy. But 14 missed tackles last week on Drew Brees and the Saints. Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, that missed that miss tackle we had on Drew Brees was absolutely inexcusable. But I'm going to completely disagree with you here. I love Dan Quinn and everything he does. And there's nothing I love more then when he came out and said after all these injuries, he said, he said, we will, this isn't a direct quote. He said, we will not play the, the, the role of victim with these injuries. We've, uh, we have a tough locker room full of tough ass competitive guys. I expect us to play well and win. See, I love what Dan Quinn said. And I love how that he hasn't shut down on this team yet. Now I do agree with you that he could get better at his in game, like what he did, his in game adjustments and his in game calls. But I personally think 
that the Falcons just need. I, I don't. I mean, he's bottom. He's bottom two in the NFL in terms of whenever Sunday starts and he wakes up, he turns into a bottom coach in the, in, in the NFL. Like during the week, oh, he's he's probably top five, but on Sundays and on Thursdays and on Mondays when we play, whenever he wakes up, our team is infinitely worse. Because he he's not he's not an old football mind he's a rugby mind he's a marine mind he doesn't he doesn't understand the quirks and cadences that makes this game makes the train wheels turn. Well, you know, I mean, this is his third year now in Atlanta, and I just feel like that he finally is starting to adjust more to being a coach, and I want to see him do better on these in-game like decisions that he makes. I feel like every coach, there's a point in the game where that you make or break like how good of a coach you are. Like Pete Carroll, sometimes he makes these absurd decisions that they work out all. Pete Carroll's a genius. If he messes up, Pete Carroll's, a, Pete Carroll's an idiot. The you know Super what Bowl, I mean? They should have, and, and, and I'm the kind of guy who sits here and debates with you that has said, hey, I don't mind that they called a, a pass. Instead of a run, you know, like they were they were searching for the run. If it wasn't for a weak route run by Doug Baldwin and uh, incredible play by Malcolm Butler, the Seahawks won two in a row. And you know why the Seahawks, or, I mean, why the Patriots are able to get that interception? It's because it all comes down to coaching. Belichick practice that. Patriots players don't get lucky week to week with these big plays they come up with. It's because they practice them, and Belichick preaches them all week. Now, I obviously think that he could uh, get get a little bit better, but. I mean, I like what we've done so far with the team, and I think that we're going to keep getting better and better, and I think we'll see DQ make some better calls in these next couple of weeks and back himself up. We need to see it because um, I'm not I'm – this season isn't over yet. Like, we have a middle-of-the-road difficulty schedule. Uh, we've already played two division games against two good division opponents. The Bucks, of course, are going to fall off. Um, I am just extremely frustrated at seeing Dan Quinn look like a deer in headlights over there. I, I'm not a Marquand Manuel fan. I like Marquand Manuel less, less than I like Dan Quinn. And a sad point is what somebody told me the other day. They were like, if the Falcons rebound this year and have a good year, you you may lose Marquand Manuel. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, he might go take like another job in the NFL, like with the, with the Broncos, who you know Vance Joseph is probably going to get fired, you know, or Anthony Lynn or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like, Psh, they can have him. Marquand Manuel sucks. I like Dan Quinn, the culture that he brings, and like you said, you like you like what he says. He's a guy who is tough, or so he says. A guy who's resilient, and yeah, it it, it takes a resilient man to sit here and coach in Atlanta because because we are some of the worst sports fans in in the world, you know, in terms of being too spoiled and then sometimes we want too much, you know, like. But my whole point is, is Dan Quinn was supposed to be an upgrade, and while the window dressing may seem like an upgrade. Our identity has not changed. We are still letting teams back into it late. We are still barely squeaking by when we had a 17-point lead to begin the fourth. We are not yeah, I, tough. We're, we're only talking tough. I mean, Dan Quinn accomplished things that Mike Smith couldn't by getting us to that Super Bowl game. Obviously, we blew it. I just think this team just needs to get the chip off their shoulder and win the championship, or we just need to start closing out games. I mean, I, I don't think it's all Dan Quinn. I think it's Matt Ryan, too. Matt Ryan needs this he needs this game this season. I'm hoping it'll be this week. Every week, I'm hoping it'll be that week where Matt Ryan leads us down the field for the game-winning drive. And he could have done it against New Orleans if he could have blocked. They let unblocked rushers into the backfield twice. But, I mean, we could sit here and rant on and on about the Falcons all day. But what other uh, do you have any other matchups in the NFL you want to talk about for this week? Um, let me read. Um, Green Bay is playing at home against Buffalo. Um, it's nine and a half for Green Bay. If we're... 
looking back on the game last weekend where we saw Josh Allen lead Buffalo to a resounding victory over the team that we're uh-huh. watching tonight, the Vikings, who were, in my opinion, the best team in the NFC, except for my Falcons and maybe the Rams, on their best day. Um, it's, it's at minus 9.5 for Green Bay. That's going to be a flyer. I'm not going to parlay that with anything. I'm just going to um, monitor the spread and uh, maybe put some money on Buffalo to cover that one. Um, I actually agree with you on this one. Me and Yardage Locks definitely have a theory about teams with double-digit spreads in the NFL. This season, they're 3-1. and one. Last year, they were like they lost basically two games and won over eight matchups with double-digit spreads. So, I mean, I personally lean more towards double-digit spreads, but honestly, I'm avoiding this one. Buffalo, to me, is too much of a hit-or-miss team. You know what I mean? You don't really know what yeah. you're going to get with them. No, you don't at all. Their um, roster is overturned so much from last year. And um, McDermott has just taken a huge step back in terms of just his body language during the game and how he conducts himself. Um, if I didn't know any better, I would I would take Buffalo to cover mm-hmm. the plus nine and a half or whatever. I like it. I like it. But God damn it, I do know better. <laughs> so and Aaron Rodgers is playing, so I may not touch that one, but it'll I'll probably fly that one just on a solo. Yeah, I say don't touch that one, but let's uh, look here to some college football. we got some pretty good matchups coming up this week. We finally have some like Final Four implication matchups this week. Um, this is actually my team. My first matchup I'll go to here is my team with the most to prove, and that is Penn State at number nine in the nation at home versus number four, Ohio State. Ohio State's a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now. They're without Nick Bosa. What do you think about this matchup? The three-and-a-half sounds kind of attractive, especially when you think about Penn State is at home. Without mm-hmm. Nick Bosa is Ohio State. Um, I think Ohio State will clobber the fuck out of Penn State, though, even though the spread is attractive and the eye test will tell you to take Penn State. I think Ohio State is probably maybe even more so than Bama, <clears throat> just the deepest, fucking just overall best talented team in the nation. And whenever they play for Urban Meyer, I think they have a better record than Nick Saban does with Alabama the past three or four years. You know, like – and especially Urban Meyer owns him in the head-to-head. So, um, if if it, I have a feeling that this is spread will get closer and closer as we come to Saturday. Yeah, it opened at four and a half. Yeah. Um, if it goes if if it goes inside um, of three, if it goes to two and a half, uh, mm-hmm. take Ohio State because even if it's a field goal game, like you'll still like we know Ohio State's going to win. I'm actually completely opposite of you on this game. Ohio State, to me, hasn't played a real threat yet. They haven't really. I mean, TCU's TCU, man. I mean, it's a bi- it's a big it's a Big Twelve team runs that weird offense. I mean, I thought Ohio State didn't look that great against TCU. Yeah, TCU had some big gash plays, but I thought the defense could have played get better. I do like Dwayne Haskins though, but I'm just say this. I love Trace McSworley and Miles Saunders at home. I just really feel like that Penn State, ever since that they had that scare the first week, has gotten a lot better and they've played a lot better. And I just feel like that Penn State's going to come out here. They're going to prove a point, and they're going to upset Ohio State in this game. It's at home. It's going to be a wide out. The fans will be wild. Penn State has some of the most rich history in college football. I look for them just to come out there. You know, there's a lot of emotion that goes into college football. And yes. I look for Penn Way State to ride these emotions and get the win. Yeah, and Penn, Penn State did it two years ago when Ohio State had that stacked team. And they were – Penn State was – I mean, they may, went to a BCS Bowl, but I wouldn't say it was their best team. I think McSorley's been there. He's done it before, and I think he gets it done. Um, what do you think about number 12, West Virginia at number 25, Texas Tech? Um, Westgate and everybody else have it at um, West Virginia minus three and a half. That's a little bit big for two ranked teams, um, especially 
seeing as West Virginia is like a road, is on the road. Um, I think West Virginia is good. I don't think they're as good as their number 12 ranking. Um, if you were to put a gun in my head, I may not touch this game, but if you were to put a gun in my head, I'd take um, Texas Tech at the plus three and a half. Interesting. See, so I actually already touched this game. I have West Virginia minus three and a half. I love, I absolutely love Will Greer as a quarterback. I just think that he's really good. I think he's matured a lot. Um, I can't buy into Texas Tech yet. I think that they're kind of pretenders. I mean, I'm, I wasn't huge on TCU. I don't think that Texas is very good. And TCU got, I mean, sorry, not TCU, Oklahoma State. Yeah. I wasn't very big on Oklahoma State. I never, they really hadn't played anybody yet this season. And they ended up getting shelled last week. Um, you know, that loss to Ole Miss to me, I just feel like Ole Miss's defense is so weak. And I watched a good bit of that game. And Texas Tech got thrown. Yeah, they got thrown all over. They moved the ball up and down the field on them easily all day. I look for West Virginia to do the exact same thing. And I actually don't think this game will be as close as people think it'll be. Yeah, it's at Texas Tech. But I say West Virginia wins this game. Like, I I like 41 to, like, 30, like, maybe 27, something like that. I really like West Virginia in this matchup. I think this is a good game for Will Greer to come out and make a Heisman statement. And I look for him to do it. Um, I just love home dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like they have more to prove when they're playing at home, and they're. I mean, and of course, college kids don't think about the spread like we do, but you can obviously tell they can tell that they're, that they're dogs at home. Um, who is it at Texas Tech now? Cliff Kingsbury. Who the coach or the quarterback? Yeah, coach. Um, let me look that up. I'm actually not 100 percent sure. I think he played at Texas Tech whenever Mike Leach was the coach there, but I could just be associating. Yeah, the it is Cliff Kingsbury. Okay. okay. Um, I like Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's good for the culture. He may he's kind of like this Dan Quinn to me. He may not be the best game caller and game manager, but um, I think he's good. Gets the boys riled up. I like Texas Tech to cover this. Yeah, I also think West Virginia's defense is a lot better than it's been in the past. I think this is one of the best defensive units they've had. I look for West Virginia. I'm I'm, I'm glad we disagree on these two. I like it. We're both different on two of the big matchups. Obviously, the next big, the last like really big matchup we got this weekend, we got number seven Stanford versus number eight Notre Dame. They're on the road going to South Bend, m- minus five and a half for Notre uh, Dame. I mean, I'm all over Stanford in this me game. Me too. I, think I mean, I like Stanford, but being at Notre Dame doesn't help us. Yeah, no, but I mean, Georgia went in there and got it done. And let's be honest, it's, Notre Dame had a for new the first game of the season in, last year. I, I didn't think that was going to happen. No, it was, it was week two. It was week two. Oh, who, who Georgia played week one? Middle Tennessee or something? Yeah, you know, actually, they played App State last year. I don't know how I remember that, but I remember it. But, yeah, you know, they played one of those just trash teams. But I really actually like Stanford a lot. I've watched Stanford a good amount of times this season, especially against Oregon. They – they they were almost they they pissed me off last week at that comeback. Oregon should not have blown that game. But KJ Costello, I think, is a pretty good game manager. I really love their receiver, JJ Arcega Whiteside. This man went off in the first game, and he has been all season. He got 17 receptions for uh, 408 yards, seven touchdowns, and then obviously Bryce Love. He really hasn't gotten going yet. I look for them to ride on the shoulders of Bryce Love in this game and Arcega Whiteside and pull out a big upset on the road in Notre Dame. Honestly, if I were y'all, I'd take Stanford money line in this game. Um, moving on, so I see South Carolina is at Kentucky this weekend. Oh, yeah, I've Kentucky got that on my list. To, uh, number 17. Mm-hmm. Westgate's got it at minus one for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I think Kentucky beats them by way more than that. I think Kentucky's a really good team. I think Kentucky's probably the second-best team in the East. Because uh, Kentucky plays Georgia, what, week 10 or something like that? Like yeah, it's late on. in the season. Um, I think Kentucky could give Georgia a real run for their money. 
Um, I love uh, Benny Snell Jr., the Kentucky running back. I think this is a statement game for him at home where he could win Heisman. I actually like Kentucky in this game. Personally, I'm avoiding it because I really like South Carolina's offense. They're deep at running back. I think Jake Benley is an experienced quarterback, and I love Debo Samuel. And I can't remember their other wide receiver, but he was their leading wide receiver from last year. So, I mean, this offense has a lot of players back. But this Kentucky defense also did shut out Mississippi State last week. So, I mean, this defense is no joke. But I would lean towards Kentucky here. I think Snell's going to take the game over on the ground. Georgia ran all over South Carolina. So, I look for yeah. Kentucky to be similar to that. Um, so, this this is actually – this will be my lock of this podcast. Um, all right. I got – let's see. Where'd it go? It was – okay. Number 20, BYU is at number 11, Washington. You like BYU, BYU. Hit, a, hit a great one for me, I think week two of the season, with an upset over Wisconsin or Nebraska, mm-hmm. uh, one of those red teams. It was Nebraska, I believe. Yeah, um, no, 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 no. It was Wisconsin. They covered the spread. Okay. Yep. So um, they won me some money week two. I like them to go on the road to Washington in a 8.30 game on Saturday night. The spread is huge. It's plus 17 mm-hmm. right now. Take BYU plus 17 if you know what's good for you. If you'd like to make some free money, that's my lock of the week. I agree with you. This team won at Arizona, at Wisconsin. I think BYU is a decently coached team. I think they got a decent little squad. Obviously, both these teams are ranked. I think Washington and the Pac-12 in general are a bunch of pretenders. I actually do like Stanford, though. I think they play the most similar to a pro style, of, to a realistic offense. Most of these Pac-12 teams line up in these absurd, like, air raid formations, just throw quick screens. You know what I mean? Like, it's yep. not real offense, really, in the Pac-12. And so I look for BYU to go into Washington in a late game, and I think they cover. I don't know if they win, but I think they cover this spread. I think it's going to be a good game, though. I'm excited to watch it. But another Pac-12 will stay out there late-night matchup that I like. Number 19, Oregon at number 24, Cal. The spread is at minus 1.5 for Oregon. I love their quarterback, Justin Herbert. I've got Oregon winning in this game by two scores. Um, I probably agree with you. Oregon looked discombobulated whenever they blew the lead last weekend. And I didn't mm-hmm. think that I was going to – because I bet on Stanford. I didn't think I was going to win that one. Um, I still feel like Oregon is a very talented team. Um, I don't really love their head coach, but um, the players and the offense that they run, um, I feel like they should win this game by two scores, like you said. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it'll definitely be a good matchup. Uh, what are there any other matchups you looking forward to this weekend? Um, I, I got a wacky one, and this is just because I love Mike Leach. Um, Utah is at Washington State. Um, okay. I love the Cougs. They are I plus just... one and a half at home against Utah, Ooh. who mm-hmm. recently has fallen out of the top 25. They're trending down. Um, if, if taking the minus one and a half for or, – or taking the plus one and a half for Washington State is too bold for you, then um, bet the over on the 50.5 over-under. There will be at see, least 30 points scored by each team. See, I'm be honest with you. I really like avoiding the Pac-12. I think it's a very shaky conference. I can't really, buy, can't really buy into anything that goes on out there. And me, myself, I'm a huge ACC guy. That's just because I'm a Florida State fan. But the one matchup, I mean, I'm looking forward to, obviously, Florida State versus Louisville, minus 6.5. If I were y'all, I'd completely avoid it. You don't know what you're going to get from Florida State. But I think, actually, the most fun ACC matchup to watch this week will is either one of these two, Duke, number 22 Duke, finally in the rankings, versus Virginia Tech. Now, I've seen a lot of people like Virginia Tech in this game, but come on now, guys. Josh Jackson's out for the season. They just lost Old Dominion, so they'll have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Duke coming in, like I said, at minus 4.5. But I think Duke's really good. I think they're well-coached. I just love uh, everything about this t- Duke team this year, and I really think Duke's going to get this win and stay undefeated. Um, who's the guy that coaches Duke? David? Dave Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe. Um, he's a 
very, very, very good college coach. Like he is definitely in the top 25 of college coaches. Um, he keeps Duke to a degree relevant every year in a very mm-hmm. tough conference and division to play in. Um, they're always a w- very good tackling team. That's why I like them on the spread. Um, I'm not going to touch the game, but just talking shop. Um, they have big wins, too, on the road, like on the road at Northwestern. Yeah. Um, the last ACC game that I, I guess we can talk about is um, the Cuse are coming in and playing number three Clemson in Death Valley. Um, Clemson lost this game last year, but it was in the Carrier Dome. Um, I haven't really seen Syracuse play much this year, but the spread is 25 and a half. Um, I watched Clemson or Syracuse struggle at with Florida State. Obviously, they pulled away in the second half because we couldn't get a first down to save our life. The game I actually didn't even watch the fourth quarter, believe it or not. I watched I almost always watch Florida State game at the end, but I couldn't watch the fourth quarter. We were struggling to get first downs the whole game. But I like Clemson to smother them in this game. Both teams are four and zero, obviously, but I just think that Trevor Lawrence is an absolute beast, and I think he comes out and covers the spread. But personally, I'm avoiding it just because Clemson had some turnovers last week against Georgia Tech, and they still. I mean, Georgia Tech had some bad turnovers against Clemson last week, and Clemson covered. So I just think I avoided too many points. But over the, I'll give you all the rest of my bets I have for college this week on here. I have uh, Oklahoma State minus eighteen and a half versus Kansas. I mean, I just don't think Kansas is that good. Yeah, they've Kansas won a couple sucks. of games, but yeah, that's Kansas what I'm saying. Sucks. It's it's Kansas. Come on now, guys. Uh, like I said, Stanford, Penn State, West Virginia. I have all those by the spread. I have Oregon by the spread as well. Um, I have Michigan minus 14 versus uh, Northwestern. Northwestern was a team that I thought was going to be decent in the Big Ten this year, but I really feel like they've kind of fallen apart this year. And I just look for Michigan to cover that. Yeah, they're on the road, but I mean, minus 14. I just think Michigan's rolling now, and they want to get back in this national championship conversation. So blowing people out is what will work for them. And then I already gave you all I had Duke minus five, but those are my uh, picks. Oh, and I also have UCF minus 17 and a half versus Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh – just got beat by North Carolina. I mean, come on now, guys. North Carolina. I mean, I'm all over yeah. Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm all over UCF in that one. Um, UCF has looked still pretty good. They haven't looked as good as they did last year, of course. Um, have a little bit of roster turnover and a little bit of administrative turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like where that program's headed, though. Um, over Pitt, I'd say, yeah, let's take UCF on that one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm all over that one. But anything else you want to talk about before I let you go, Cohen? So what's the deal with your man, uh, Willie Taggart? Shoot, I mean... I like Willie. That's I'm, I'm kind of worried. I don't think it's Willie's fault. I mean, he can't make the offensive lineman block. We've got no blocking in these games, and I can't put that on Coach Taggart. I mean, that's not his fault that we're not getting blocking. Our defense has played well. Like, against Pittsburgh, we have pretty – I mean, not against Pittsburgh, against uh, Syracuse, for example. Like, we got Syracuse off the field twice on one drive in the first half. Then we just get two dumb penalties, and offsides on a third and five, and then a late hit out of bounds. We would have had them off the field both times. And give it over to him. I mean, they were only beating a 7-0 or, or 6-0 at halftime, and they opened it up on a second half. I just think the defense gets stuck out on the field too much. I think we have what we need at defense. If we can finally get some offensive line play, I mean, we could we can win some games. I mean, that's all what it's going to come down to. I feel like they got to be able to find five offensive linemen in our program with all the all the recruits that we bring in that want to get out there and block and actually do something, light a fire under them. Yeah, um, I like Willie and um, the guy that I did the podcast with, Maddie. Um, he was telling me, calm down, you know, like Willie will get two or three years, you know, like let's see, let's see him next year. Let's see what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't see us moving away or moving away from Willie anytime soon. He's due a lot of money, like a lot of, it's over like 20, $20 million. So, I mean, God. we're not just going to move on to him like that. Well, they paid Jimbo to get out of town, right? 
Didn't Jimbo no, Jimbo, have some years le- in the books? Jimbo left. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he just left straight up. Yeah, I, I, I hate, I can't stand Jimbo, but yeah, you know, I, I really think that. But actually, there's one other team I want to ask you about before you leave. What are your thoughts on LSU? They've jumped up to number five in the rankings. Dude, Aldrick Robertson just caught another touchdown. He did, dude. So is it seventeen fourteen now? It is sixteen. Jesus, no, no, there's a flag on the play. Let's see what happens. But um, LSU was a team that I bet against week one against Auburn. What in Atlanta? I think no, they were against Miami week one. Miami, Miami Auburn, week one. I think Auburn was week two or three. Yeah. Okay. Um, I really thought LSU was going to be an embarrassment of a team this year. Because um, they lost a few guys whenever they decided to keep Coach O on after his interim status. Uh, they were, um, their four-star quarterback, Justin McMillan, transferred to Tulane, just a short bus ride an hour west or whatever to Baton Rouge um, or, or, or to New Orleans. And um, I don't necessarily love Coach O. I think he's a good story. I think he's a good for LSU, their brand. You know, the Cajun, the whole get fired up. Yeah, he's got that thing. very Cajun accent if you ever heard him talk. But I think he's – kind of like a bumbling, bumbling idiot. Um, I think that maybe he's an old football head but doesn't know how to do much else. Um, he's proven me wrong these past four weeks, and I'll, I'll eat the crow on that one. But um, I don't think LSU's got enough talent to compete for an SEC title or anything. I think it'll yeah. be like a, like a Mississippi State from like the past three or four years. Like, yeah, they'll probably win ten games, but they won't come close to the title game. Yeah, see, I don't really respect their offense at all. I thought they got a lot of turnovers versus Miami. Miami kind of shut them down in the second half of that game outside of turnovers. I mean, they outscored LSU. They held LSU to six points in the second half. So, I mean, they, they kind of fell apart there. Uh, and against Auburn, it was a low-scoring game, 22-21. You know, I just I just can't really buy into them. The other two teams they played haven't been very good. I mean, I think against this week against Old Miss, I would avoid that even though the spread is at 11, which would seem kind of favorable. Yeah. I just don't know if, if that Old Miss's offense would go out there and get shut down. I mean, I could see Ole Miss. I would lean towards Ole Miss covering the spread, but they still have to play Georgia, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Alabama. They're at Texas A&M. Those other three are all at home, but, I mean, I don't see them beating Georgia, Alabama, or Texas A&M on the road last game of the season. Um, no. The only way they beat Georgia is if Fromm goes down and fields it and who we thought he was, or Georgia just – the bus crashes and everybody breaks a leg. You know, like – Yeah. Um, he, no matter how much I hate Georgia, Kirby's done a fucking excellent job with their team. And I think that this is going to sound kind of crazy and screwed and kind of like Homer-ish, but I hate Georgia. But I think Kirby Smart is like the best version of what like Dan Quinn wants to be. Like, because mm-hmm. you can tell Kirby Smart coach teams are tough. Even though they lost the big championship game like that last year, like, it's out of there. I mean, you you know, s- like, yeah, we still saw it in the game, too. I mean, they, they hung around in that game, a game nobody thought they had any business I, hanging I, around, and I, they I hung around they the whole game. in that game, dude. Mm-hmm. I did, too. I was all over Alabama in that game. Alabama ended up winning and covering, but, I mean, I was – I was scared. If it, if it wasn't for Tua, they wouldn't have. By the way, before I let you go, actually, this is the last thing I want to talk about. What are your thoughts on Tua? You think he can win the Heisman? Um, I think Tua can win the Heisman. I do. I think he will. No, um, I think he has all the talent in the world. I think that a Nick Saban coach team, no matter who the OC is, is kind of limited on offense because Nick plays possession football and likes to keep the ball on the ground and doesn't like to fumble or th- throw picks. Um, which is kind of the same reason that I think Jalen Hurts didn't do so well. I still like mm-hmm. Jalen. I think his pro comparison is maybe like Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, um, uh, quarterback game manager who doesn't th- turn the ball over, doesn't fumble, doesn't throw picks, makes a smart dump off throws. I just think that Tua has a higher ceiling in terms of more talent than Jalen. So 
kind of got to go with Tua. Um, I honestly think Tua has a really, really, really good chance to win the Heisman. I think if he keeps his production up with the way that this Alabama team plays, I mean, if they go undefeated and Tua keeps his production in the top five quarterbacks in the nation, I don't see any way he doesn't win Heisman if, Trophy. If, if he's going to win one, this is the year. Because we remember years past where Greg McElroy and Blake Sims and all these guys don't have a chance because Bama just had eight tough teams on the schedule. But now that that number has shrunk to five or six good teams on the schedule every year, there's only certain games that Nick will play him the whole game or Nick will really squeeze him, you know? See, I don't even think it's that. I just feel like it's the fact that Tua plays for Alabama, you know, like Alabama usually goes undefeated. So, I mean, that automatically gives you an advantage because you're helping your team win. I don't care what anybody says, but winning MVP, winning Heisman, winning any of those things, winning has a lot to do with it. Because if you're not helping your team win, then who cares? But What are the stats for? Like, if you're not winning, what are the stats for? Yeah, exactly. And so then on top of all those things, I also feel like the fact that Tua is putting up numbers equal to all these other quarterbacks against better competition, and I just feel like that there's no way that he doesn't win the Heisman. I could see him being one of those two-time Heisman Trophy winners. Let's, I really let's do. wait until we get to the real meat of the season, wherever Bama has to play two SEC West opponents or three SEC West opponents weeks in a row, and then let's wait until we see until we see how he plays in the preparation game for the national title game. I always call it the SEC championship because no matter who you throw at Bama, they're going to walk all over him. Even if it's Georgia, like, I think Bama, just SEC championship playing in Atlanta, Bama is, I think, like, they're 8-2 and two in the last, like, mm-hmm. seven or eight years, like, in Atlanta, in the Dome. Like, uh-huh. I think Bama is cut and dry, obviously, one, where Ohio State is two in terms of best college football teams. Um, two, uh, Bama should be glad they have him because Hurts was kind of getting jaded and, Kind of it, the thing that frustrated me about Jalen is you would watch the games, you would watch the practices. Is he would take too many design runs? Like he would look up for two seconds, the line would still be clear, and he would just take off running. You know, so I I, I still like Jalen. I, I think he could go to the league and maybe be a good backup and see what he can do. You know, like t- Teddy Bridgewater type things. But Tua, that's your Marcus Mariota right there. That's the guy that can go out and make plays like crazy plays. He has the way higher ceiling. Yes, I actually on the on the Teddy Bridgewater comparison, I think Tua is your national championship winning quarterback. I think he's your number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I think we'll be watching this kid four years on end. I think he's an absolute stud animal. So, I mean, I'm all I love Tua. I think Al, I agree with you though on the fact that if Alabama didn't have Tua, I don't think they could beat a team like Ohio State. I really yeah. like Dwayne Haskins too, but. You know, it's it's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to see how everything plays out, but I'll let you go and enjoy these games, but I appreciate you coming on, Cohen. All right, Thomas. Um, we'll finish watching the rest of this NFL game, and hopefully our bets hit for tonight. Oh, yeah, man. Hopefully so, Hopefully one of us hits. You know, I feel yeah, like we we're going to. to. But uh, last thing before I let you go, you want to let the people um, shout you out on or follow you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anything? Um, I don't do Twitter because Twitter's a dangerous weapon for a guy like me. I should talk too much, so – some tweets have gotten me in trouble before, so I kind of have to lay off that kind of thing. That's my drug. Um, I'm on Facebook. Search me on Co- Cohen Hughes. Um, Instagram, Cohen underscore Hughes. You can listen to my podcast, uh, The Daily Degenerate. Just search that on iTunes. Um, we do sports betting, comedy, just random stuff, really. We usually keep it pretty betting-centric, though. Give you some good picks for the week. Um, I was 12-8 and 8 last week. Hopefully, I can continue that same success from this week. But, Thomas, thank you for having me on. Hey, no problem, man. We'll see you again soon. This concludes today's podcast. 
Appreciate y'all tuning in. Once again, follow me on Twitter at HawkTakes with TP3. Same thing. I got all my bets and everything on there. Follow Cohen as well, but we'll see y'all next time. All right. See you, fellas.